I think sports medicine and, and a lot of different aspects of medicine is becoming a lot more holistic in that we're, we're starting to appreciate more and more the effect that mental health and the brain has on performance. Um, I mean, we know that, that athletes who are fatigued and not sleeping and kind of have a bit of that exhaustion, just they have decreased performance and they have higher perceived exertion and poor cognitive function. And we know that, that athletes have mental illness at four to five times the rate of the population. So we, we know that this is a common issue. Welcome to the Super Sports Mom podcast, a place for all moms of many and mighty athletes to get support and insights into the world of sports. This is your place to learn, grow, and laugh. I am a sports dietitian, former elite athlete, and newbie sports mom, inviting you to adventure together. This podcast is sponsored by Eat This for Performance, the home of champions. Hi, welcome to the SSM podcast, episode number 30. I am your host, Pearl Narenberg. And today I have a special guest who is going to talk about a topic that is near and dear to so many of us. It's a topic that touches every coach, every parent, every player in some respect. Maybe you've experienced the deeper version of dealing with athletes and working with athletes who are struggling with their mental health. Now, I bring it up right away as it's a topic we dive into further in the episode, but I want you to know first and foremost that we here at Eat This for Performance want you to feel supported and want you to have resources if you are dealing with any aspect of anxiety, depression, um, the intense pressures that get put on athletes often bring about these. And as you just heard Dr. Anderson talk about, it is actually way more prevalent in the athletic population. Um, that probably has something to do with all the pressures we put on ourselves as athletes and all that excitement that comes with those pressures makes it so enticing to keep piling on the trainings, the different practices and the expectations. So let's take a load off for a second and delve in with Dr. Jordan Anderson. He's gonna to talk to us about some of the signs and some of the ideas around uh, stress. And so we're gonna talk about in particular this idea that we read about in one of his articles he wrote for Cross Ice Hockey website, um, talking about the different zones of stress and what we can be you know, looking out for um, in our own athletes. Uh, Dr. Anderson is currently finishing up his medical residency at Queen's University, and he hails from Regina, Saskatchewan, where he completed his uh, medicine at University of Saskatchewan, and he has a great training background. He says he's played lots of sports, and he's going to talk to us about his climb to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, which I think is very interesting because there's a lot of parallels in his experience with what we deal with in sport, and it's certainly an athletic feat. So I just thought it'd be fascinating to hear a bit more about that experience. So let's um, we're going to dive in in a second with this interview, um, but let's also let you know about a special event coming up in just a few short days here at Eat This for Performance. I was almost going to say weeks, but you know we're actually getting down to days, and we have this 
challenge for our community where we are actually going to do something epic with our mindset around our body. And it has to do with all the aspects that make us the most performing human being you could possibly be. And we call it the map your performance body. And we're going to talk about all of the things that make you up. Your body composition is a part of that. So if you're looking to gain muscle mass, trim down on body fat, we're certainly addressing that, but we're addressing much more than that. We're even bringing in the mental health aspect as well, because we know that when you start even chipping away at things like gaining muscle mass or losing body fat, mental health comes in big time. We want to make sure we are not getting to zones of obsession, of food restriction, and we want to make sure that you have the right tools, resources, and ideas going into, let's say, a summer training program or any training program in a season where you are going to be set up for success. So this is coming up. You can go get into the challenge at et4p.com challenge and join us there. Now let's roll the interview with Dr. Jordan Anderson. So welcome, Jordan, to the SSM podcast. It's really lovely to have you here today. Yeah, thanks so much. It's uh, I'm really happy to be here. I think the the work you guys are doing is really great, so I'm I'm honored to be part of it here. We have some very interesting topics to delve into in the expertise you bring to moms today in in both medicine and um, I I want to go a little deeper into the psychology that you've spoken about before in some past articles. But before we get you know too into the weeds, why don't you tell us about yourself? Where do you come from? Uh, how do you uh, get to be in the practice of medicine and particularly interested in uh, sports medicine? Yeah, for sure. So, so as you mentioned, my name is Jordan. I'm, uh, I'm currently in my family medicine residency at Queen's University, um, and I'm an aspiring sports medicine physician. Uh, so I grew up in Regina, Saskatchewan, and I did med school at the University of Saskatchewan. Uh, so far, I've been quite passionate about sports medicine, and, and my experience so far has been mostly focused on junior hockey and football athletes. Um, my biggest experience so far, I had the honor of working with the Canadian medical team at the University Games in Taipei in 2017. Um, and I guess a little bit about myself. So I played kind of every sport growing up, like, like a lot of kids out there, um, but really didn't play any of them particularly well. Um, more recently, I've kind of fallen in love with CrossFit and used that to kind of stay active and competitive and um, actually finished as the, the number one ranked uh, medical doctor in Canada for the, the Worldwide Open, which is a big kind of CrossFit comp- competition. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and over the years, I've, I've had lots of experience coaching. So I've coached youth sports and flag football, and I've also coached a bit of CrossFit along the way. And also really enjoy hiking and I actually got to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in 2016, which was a, which was a really great experience. Okay. So when did you decide, I mean, that is a big experience to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. So what was that like? Oh, it was, uh, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. I, uh, I vastly underrated that experience a lot. So, um, I wanted to to go on a big hike like that, and I wasn't willing to risk my life on Everest, like a lot of people out there are. Um, but I had a I had a, a cousin, a good friend of mine, who had climbed it and kind of recommended it, and so I, I got prepared. And I it was a lot of mental preparation as much as physical preparation. And um, I think, I mean, my experience getting over there and and going up the mountain was was quite interesting. But what what I found the biggest challenge was dealing with, with the altitude, actually. So. 
Uh, something that you can imagine in Saskatchewan we didn't never really had to deal a lot with. But um, I just remember on the the summit day we we climbed uh, almost 2,000 meters in about eight hours and. I remember getting to the top and I'd never had altitude sickness like that before. I was, you know, I was dizzy and faint and I was really sick to my stomach and I was throwing up. And I, I don't know if I'd ever felt worse in my life, but it was one of those things where you think, you know, you've come so far and, you know, there's only a couple hours more to go. And um, really kind of pushing, pushing through at the end was, uh, like, like I said, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And uh, yeah, it was uh, one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had in my life. So how much preparation did that take for you? Like when it, how far in advance did you start in terms of your physical um, reading up on it and maybe doing some nutrition planning? Yeah, so it was kind of six or eight months in advance. I mean, as I mentioned, I've been doing CrossFit for a while and that kind of kept my physical abilities up where I needed to be. But I realized I needed to do a little more kind of distance training and, and that kind of stuff. So... Um, I had a little bit of trouble simulating altitude and, and hills in Saskatchewan, but I, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I went on some, some long hikes with lots of kind of heavy baggage and um, did my best to, to kind of simulate what that was like. Um, and I mean, it, you can only simulate it so much. I mean, there's so much of that experience that you just, you just can't prepare for, um, which like, I mean, so many things in life, but um, I mean, you know, I like to have my diet dialed in as much as I can, especially before big events like that. But I mean, once we, once we get kind of climbing on the hike, they kind of have all the food arranged for us. So that was kind of out of my hands. And, um, okay. I was a little bit at the, I was a little bit at their mercy come the end of it. So, um, you know, you do as much preparing as you can and just kind of hope for the best. <laughs> and so then probably the mental preparation came in pretty big there. Oh, it was huge. Yeah. I mean, you never, you never know what to expect with, with something like that. Um, you know, it's going to be long days and, and you know, you're going to be sore and, and you're going to be tired. But fortunately I had, um, I had two, two guys that were in their sixties that were up there climbing it with me as part of our group. And, you know, whenever you get tired, you look at those guys and it's like, gosh, if those guys can do it, then, you know, surely I can keep, keep moving forward. Um, and then I think kind of the bond that we had really helped carry us towards the top, um, especially when, like I mentioned, the altitude was, was really getting to us all. And, um, and we were all battling quite, quite a lot. Um, and like I said, you can, you can prepare as best you can for, for the mental challenges and, you know, kind of make sure you're in the right headspace before you, before you start something like that. But a lot of it comes down to, to kind of your, your, your mental grit and how much you can push through and it gets uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so did you find that the training you did, like what did you do to prepare your, your mental state for that? I found a lot of visualization was really helpful for me. So trying my best to imagine what it would be like to, to, you know, get to the top of the mountain, but to, to face the struggles along the way, like to, to imagine what it's going to feel like when your legs are tired and you're, you're achy and you're sore and you know you don't really want to keep going and you want to just take a rest but you don't really have that luxury um at that time I was doing a lot of a lot of meditation and yoga in the evenings as well and I found that um quite beneficial for me and I I was able to use some of those some of those skills um just to kind of help reframe my my mindset when I was on the hill um yeah that's probably the the biggest mental prep that I had and then do you find being in a team, like kind of 
pushes you up even more when you're there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was, I mean, hiking is very much an individual sport in, in a lot of ways, but that team aspect that I had been around so much growing up was, was so huge. Um, it's, it's that support system that you have with one another. Um, it's that kind of intrinsic and extrinsic motivation that you have when there's, when there's other people around you all pushing for the same goal and um, being able to, to work with each other, you know, when the, when times get tough, but also when you're, when the, when the times are good and you guys, you know, can take it easy and, you know, can share some laughs and, and really share that bond. It's, it, uh, it reminded me a lot of, of playing team sports when I was growing up. And so that having it, like I said, having that, uh, that, that team aspect really helped, helped all of us, I think. Yeah. I can see so many parallels to climbing Mount Kilimanjaro and the experience you talk about and sport and elite sport. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, like absolutely. that that literally you're, you know, the peak performance so you're going for the peak. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, I will, I'll, I'll segue into, you know, you're, you're in the medical, medical school now, pardon me. And then you tell me uh, that you have this passion for mental health. And mm -hmm. tell me about that, like how, how this started and where you hope to go with this. Yeah, that's a, that's great. So, um, I, so I initially got into med school in 2014 in Saskatchewan. And I mean, like, like anybody who just gets into med school, I mean, things are great. It's really exciting. It's something you work for for so many years. And uh, obviously med school is very hard, as I think everybody knows. So as, as, um, as the months went along, I realized I was starting to struggle a little bit. Like I was sleeping way more than I should have been and was just really irritable and um, had really low motivation and just was really not feeling like myself. Um, I ended up seeking help and I ended up being diagnosed with depression and anxiety in my first year. So that was something that I had to, had to work through. And that was one of the other biggest challenges that I've ever had to face. And, um, and in doing so in part of my kind of counseling through that, I, uh, I started to open up with friends and family, which was, which was really, really great. I got lots of support. Um, I was a little slow to, to talk about it with my, like my peers and my professional colleagues, um, and there was one day we were all sitting around and there was, there was three or four of us and I was kind of opening up about how I was feeling and my experiences. And a couple of them had also said like, yeah, like, you know what, I, I feel the same way. I've, I've had a lot of these same struggles and you know, you just kind of keep pushing through it. And those at that time were like, Oh my gosh, like there's, this is such a popular issue, but there's really nobody talking about it, especially in the, in the professional, in the professional colleges. Uh, that, that kind of experience motivated me to, um, to apply for a leadership position within the college and, and work with the mental health of the medical students in the college. And that was a really great opportunity. I got I had the honor of, um, of creating some initiatives and did a lot of advocacy work for, for med students within the college and kind of across the country too, which was, which was really great. Um, that passion has really persisted and I, I really enjoyed kind of being able to help help others with with some of these struggles and i have gotten to work with more and more athletes um, over the years so with like i mentioned within junior hockey and um and overseas and i realized that there's there's a lot of parallels between between working with athletes and working with i mean medical students and, and professional colleges and i mean you get highly motivated uh young people who have one big goal in mind and get very focused on that and um, 
yeah, face, face a lot of challenges. Um, so I've been able to do a little bit of writing for that and hopefully um, have reached a few people with that. So I, I wrote a blog for a group called Skillshark, um, which I was very happy with the, the outreach that I got. And um, I hope to continue doing some of that work kind of in the future. So uh, I'm actually working with Dr. Carla Edwards later in the summer, who is a sports psychiatrist around Guelph. Um, and she's really one of Canada's leaders in, in working with mental health for athletes. And, and I'm very excited to work with her and hope to carry some of that, um, that sports psychiatry knowledge and be able to help athletes with their mental health in my sports medicine career. Yeah, I was able to catch this article and we'll link out to it in the notes of this episode um, titled Anxiety and Depression in Athletes Know the Signs. And what struck me in looking through, because you could see some visuals, is this idea that we're in zones and that we're trying to keep our athletes in the yellow zone, as you put it in the article, where they can thrive. So can you talk to us about that and what these signs are and how we can keep athletes in this yellow zone and, and maybe tell us a bit more about the yellow zone? Yeah, of course. So I think this zone actually applies to, to a very broad population, but I think athletes particularly. So there's a, there's a wide ranging zones from what we call the green zone to the red zone. The green zone is the very little stress and the red zone is the very, very high stress. So the, the green zone would be kind of what we consider too little stress and you're, where you're kind of too laid back um, and almost a little bit disinterested. So where we see that, so uh, in terms of athletes who maybe have lost passion for their sport or just kind of developed other interests but are still kind of playing sport because that's what they've always done and just really, really lost interest in it. Um, and I kind of lost that, that passion and that motivation. That's where we see the green zone. Uh, but more often we see kind of more towards the red zone. So where you get athletes who, I mean, spend a lot of energy and emotional effort and stress on, on their sports, um, which, I mean, of course, I think we all agree that, that um, there's a certain level of sp- of stress that you need to succeed in sport. However, the red zone suggests that there's there's too much stress going on. So it's where you get to the point of where you're having lots of anxiety and panic attacks and um, lots of breakdown, lots of stress, um, poor coping with your mood, um, and not only not, it's not only the the psychological effects of this, but also a lot of times in the red sport performance also also tends to decrease. So um, it can be, I mean, this can be manifested in a lot of different ways. So whether it be more physical things like you feel nauseous, you feel like you're going to throw up, um, your muscles feel very, very tense. Um, but also a lot of worry that's kind of overwhelming in the sense where you're worried that you won't play well, or that you're worried you're going to let others down. Or you're worried you're going to mess up the game and you're having troubles focusing, um, and a lot of trouble thinking clearly, which as you can imagine, um, really would impact your your performance. So, what we what we like to try to aim for is the the yellow zone. So it's more of a more of a happy medium kind of between the two. So um, the point where 
I mean, I think a little bit of stress and excitement before a big game or before a big tryout, I think, is is to be expected. But at the, in the in the yellow zone, you're still focusing and you're still kind of able to to do the tasks that you need to do to succeed. Um, but it's not so overwhelming for you at that point. Okay. So we're looking for those signs and symptoms of too little or too much stress and how that can play out in the athlete. You know, what's interesting is we're in the process here at Eat This for Performance of launching uh, something called Map Your Performance Body. We're we're opening up a, a challenge to our athletes to map their performance body. And one of the things we bring up in that challenge is this uh, we do introduce a, something we're seeing in research, but that is also being talked about in sport, something called relative energy deficiency in sport. And it's this idea that a lot of athletes are trying to cut calories at certain points or cut energy um, for different reasons. Often it has to do with body composition and they're, or they're just for whatever reason, not eating enough in their day. And they're going into this red zone and as well in terms of like this low energy zone. And um, a lot of the symptoms you mentioned uh, kind of are aligned with that. So I wonder if there's like, I always say there's like a lot of like psychological tie-ins to eating and that eating could bring you um, out of that. And is this something that you've um, seen or have discussed in the past? Well, absolutely. It's it's huge. And I think eating is, is one of many, huge factors that impacts, I mean, athletes performance and with, with athletes competing at a high level, especially in a lot of these aesthetic sports, so gymnastics and diving and um, some of these kinds and cheerleading, this, this kind of relative energy deficiency and um, concerns around eating habits are are, are very prevalent. Um, So yes, I absolutely think sorry, in my experience, I've definitely seen the impact that that stress can have on eating and that eating can have on stress and and seeing how those all relate to performance. I I found that when athletes are in the red zone that a lot of things start to start to really struggle. So it's, you're right, it's the energy, it's the eating, it's the performance, it's kind of everything. And so you can imagine that finding a solution for these, these kinds of athletes is, is obviously not, not easy at all. And this is why we have, great teams who, who help work with these athletes. So there's a role for, for so many people. I mean, I think especially at a young age, the parents have such a, such a big role in these, in these kids in terms of developing, I mean, I mean, fr- from the beginning, good coping skills and, um, and being supportive and discussing mental health and being understanding of when, when their children are struggling and realizing that that's, that's a part of life. Um, I think that sports psychologists and, and counselors have a, have a great role in, in helping understand the, the relation between, between stresses and emotions and performance and kind of help, helping in clearing up the understanding and, and why some of these, these reactions are, are happening. Um, I think dietitians also have a huge role um, in developing healthy eating habits and I mean, a lot of these these athletes have really, really struggled with with their eating, and um, it takes a long time and a lot of work to to help get get back to to where you need to be. And coaches and athletic therapists, like these guys who see these athletes every day, 
um, get to make such an impact in these in these athletes' lives um, that similar to the parents and creating a, a positive environment where you can talk about mental health and, and talk about struggles openly and especially in these in these sports where you see a higher prevalence of, of disordered eating and relative energy deficiency i think is so important so you talk about like opening up the discussion with within the family or with the the child um, and parents opening up that discussion uh what what advice would you give to parents who want to have that discussion or for athletes, if you're listening, you know, if you want, how could someone approach you? Oh, that's a good question. There's, it's, it's difficult to give a blanket answer because everybody has different personality and, and handles stress very differently. In my experience, I've, I've found that for me, anyway, I found that um, finding people I'm, I'm close to, so whether it be my parents or close friends of mine who initially like, I was very uncomfortable with the admitting that I had issues with my mental health and um, admitting that I was struggling I think uh, knowing that you have that support system that no matter what what happens you're always going to be supported and and always get that get that feedback from from the people around you I think also I think that really helps start the discussion I think from a from an athlete's perspective I think um, having peers around you who you you can relate with and and are going to support you throughout throughout your struggles i think is so important um i also think that uh in discussing it with with parents and coaches i think knowing that that parents and coaches truly at the end of the day just want what's best for you and i think dealing with these mental health struggles is such a such a big part of I mean, growing as a person and growing as an athlete, that knowing that you can have someone to, someone to support you, an athletic therapist, a coach, a psychologist, I think is so important. From a parent's perspective, I think creating an environment at home where you can openly discuss mental health, I think is, is so valuable. Not to necessarily um, dive into everybody's mental health all the time, but also just to be able to open up that conversation and to to check in on on everybody at home and see how everybody is doing and and fortunately um, there's been a lot of athletes over the years and I think we're seeing it more and more who have become more open about their struggles with mental health and I think this is a great avenue to to bridge the gap between athletes and parents and to help start that conversation because I think it's so important that we do. Yeah, I just make it could be around the dinner table, just talking about uh, uh, what was it, the Bell Talk initiative. You know, you just you sound like a different kind of doctor. So <laughs> I'll just put this out there. Um, it looks like you're trying to do something different in in sport, and especially opening up that discussion for athletes and families. So there is, like, even doing this right now, the podcast opening the door of this topic um just by by virtue of this interview it's different already so you're because you're going into medicine i just was curious as to how do you see medicine being done differently to um you know to in in especially in uh, sports medicine uh, yeah that's what i'm hoping to hoping to end up doing is sports medicine so it's, it's a good question and i think you bringing up the the Bell Let's Talk initiative, I think, is is a great point. I think a lot of the work that they're doing is really great, and 
like you were saying, opening that conversation. And, and I think it's been great. And so many people, um, athletes, non-athletes, all different walks of life have, have kind of opened, like, opened the conversation and, and discussed some of the struggles that they've had and really grown that empathy and um, helping people realize that they're not alone. I think that that, as in addition to, as I mentioned before, with the with guys like Dan Carcillo and um, some of the, some of the retired hockey and football players who talk more and more about the struggles that they face, I think it is we're creating a world where it's okay to to have mental health struggles. I think that's that's okay. I think sports medicine and, and a lot of different aspects of medicine is becoming a lot more holistic in that we're, we're starting to appreciate more and more the effect that mental health and the brain has on performance. Um, I mean, we know that, that athletes who are fatigued and not sleeping and kind of have a bit of that exhaustion, just they have decreased performance and they have higher perceived exertion and poor cognitive function. And we know that mental illness sure that athletes have mental illness at four to five times the rate of the population. So we, we know that this is a common issue. Um, and we also know that, that mental toughness is, so mental toughness meaning the ability to handle stress, I guess, in a healthy and productive way is, is a very important protective, fa protective factor for, for mental health. So I think in terms of sports medicine, I think that we are appreciating more and more um, the importance of mental health on athletes and, and the importance of developing kind of well-rounded teams around these athletes to help support um, all the different aspects of their lives that, that are affecting their performance outside of just the strength and conditioning and the diet piece that, um, that has been in decades past. So and that's, I think that's why I'm so interested in the in the mental health side of things as well as we see how how big of an impact it can have on athletes and and it's an it's a, it's an area that i think is becoming more and more understood and i hope to you know to make a difference in, in these athletes lives one day yeah well i certainly think you will or you already are and i know that those who are listening are you know just i think absorbing this idea and maybe it's for the first time and if it is for the first time and you, you want to open up the, the conversation, um, you know, we'll definitely put some link outs to any resources that could be helpful in the notes. And uh, is there anything more you'd like to say to our, to our athletes and to our um, super sports parents? Would you, what would you like to say to our super sports parents uh, in closing? Yeah, I think I guess my biggest advice for parents would be just knowing that the rate of mental illness is a lot higher than we think. Um, so if you're, if you're a kid, you don't think of struggling with mental illness, they certainly may not be, but know that it's more common than you probably think. So I think opening up the conversation and having that question, whether there are concerns or not, I think is a great place to start. And I think it helps develop that open conversation and the healthy relationship that is so beneficial for, for athletes. I think it's a small step that you can take. And I think it's one that could be so beneficial. Amazing. 
Well, we'll be checking in on you and where you will end up, hopefully in our town. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just so th thanks for coming on and sharing, you know, your wisdom and experience with uh, the community. Really appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Super Sports Mom podcast this time. My wish is that you feel more empowered than ever to live your dream sports life. If you get inspired from this message, amazing. Share it with a friend and pass that inspiration along. I can't wait to share the next adventure with you. See you next time. Hey, does getting the right food in front of you at the right time seem a little daunting sometimes? Well, a lot of times. You're not alone, and that is why here at Eat This for Performance, we are making people's lives easier by taking out all of the guesswork from performance eating for all the situations you may be in, eating out, eating in at the grocery store, or just looking at that food down on your plate wondering if that is the right thing to be eating. So we have something that we'd like to give you. That is our performance eating foods list. If you hop on over to et4p.com, you can grab our food list and start going right away at eating the performance foods that you want to eat. Once you have the food list, you'll be well on your way to digging into our four-part framework and really starting to become a confident athlete or a confident parent in your food selections. So have a look. And definitely reach out to us if you have any questions whatsoever. We're here cheering you on as you eat for that top performance in sport and in life.